as you guys are seated, if you have a Bible to open it up to uh, Matthew chapter 9. And here's the thing, uh, tonight's, tonight's a unique night. Tonight's going to be different than uh, really any other night around this place for a variety of different reasons. Um, let, me, let me pray for us, pray for this time, this time in the Word and what's going to actually happen on the, on the other side of this time. So, Lord Jesus, we uh, desperately, desperately need to hear from you. Lord, this is an exciting time of year. It's exciting to see, uh, to see new faces, Lord, these upcoming uh, freshmen, Lord, these high school students. It's so cool to meet them. Lord, it's, it, it's exciting because a lot of people that have been gone for the summer and away for a couple months, Lord, are coming back and getting plugged back in. And I know that many of us are bummed out about the school year, and I understand that, Lord, but at the same time, it is a, uh, it's really an exciting time of year. There's huge opportunity for you to do something magnificent with these students and in our city. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would hear from you tonight and hear what you have to say about our lives in this time of year and what it is that you have planned for us. And I pray it all in the awesome, awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, uh, here, here's what's up. Uh, th- this, uh, th- this past week... I was, uh, I was speaking at a camp in West Palm Beach, Florida, and um, had a great, great time. But let me explain something. Like, here's how this camp was set up. It was like uh, I would preach in the morning, I would preach in the evening, um, and then sometime like in the middle of the day what would happen is these different churches would go, these different student ministries would go to like to either rec or to like their missions projects. Like they were doing missions projects. Some of them were like painting houses. Some of them were serving at old folks' homes and, um, and things like that. Of that nature, and, and so here's what happened. Like one day, uh, one day, me and and the worship band um, decide we want to go to one of the mission sites to see students and just kind of hang out and give them high fives and just tell them they're doing a good job. And so we kind of get ready. So I, I got went out and got in my rental car, which was a uh, a white Toyota Corolla. So I felt incredibly masculine, and uh, I, I get in my car and they get in their car, and then leading us was the, the camp staff in, a, in one of their vans. And so they were going to take us out there because we didn't know where in the world we were going. So they take off in the van, um, and then the worship band is right behind them, and then I'm behind the worship band's car. And as we're driving um, through, like, downtown West Palm, we're trying to make our way to the freeway. We get through some railroad tracks. There's, like, these railroad tracks. And all of a sudden, you see the ding, 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 and the lights flashing and everything. And these things start to, um, to kind of go down, and, and the, the camp staff takes off through it, right? And then the worship band takes off through it because they're dumb. And then I hit the brakes really, really hard, and it was honestly a struggle because, you know, the really stupid part of me was going, go for it! And then the more rational part, you know, the voice of my wife in my brain was like, you better stop, right? So I stopped. Um, so I, I stopped, but, but I've got a problem because I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where they're going. And so I'm like, man, this is not good. And I'm like, well, maybe they waited on me, and then the train clears and the you know, gates go up, and I, I don't see them anywhere, uh, but I knew we were supposed to get on uh, 95 north, that's all I knew, so I got on I-95, I start to head north, and I'm like flying, you know, but going the speed limit, um, <laughs> but I'm like, I, I'm going pretty 
kind of fast, and I'm trying to catch up with these guys so that I, I can find where we're going. Well, I, I'm going for a few miles, and here's what happened. I'm going for a few miles, and I, and I feel my, my, my phone buzz, and so I go to check it, and, and the worship leader has sent me a text message, and the text message, no lie, the text message said this, it said, it said, get off at exit 83, and as I'm reading this text message, I'm looking over, and exit 83 is passing me, okay? So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, no big deal, Right? No big deal. Here's what I'll do. I'll just go up to the next exit, and I'll just turn around. Or, or if there's not an exit, there will be, you know, one of those little, you know, concrete things, and I'll just turn around in there. So, so no big deal. So I just kept driving because there was no other option, okay? So I'm driving up 95 North, and 80, exit 83 has passed me, and I go one mile, and there's no exit. I go another mile, two miles, there's no exit. Three miles, no exit. Four miles, no exit. I'm not exaggerating. Five miles, no exit. Six miles, no exit. Seven miles, no exit. I got to eight miles, no exit. Nine miles, no exit. Ten miles, no exit. Exit. 11 miles? Exactly. 12 miles? No. 13 miles? I went 16 miles until I finally found an exit. And I couldn't. Some of y'all are saying, why didn't you just, you're, you're, just such, you're just such a sissy. Why didn't you just cut across the grass? I'm in a Toyota Corolla, and there's a ditch. I will look stupid because I'll be stuck. Right? So I'm like, I go 60 miles, and I have to explain to you. I've got to be very transparent with you. I started to have evil, wicked thoughts about the state of Florida. (laughs) I'm not lying. I'm just telling you. And I'm not saying they were justified. I'm just telling you what I was thinking in that moment. And (laughs) I'll be even more transparent. I started to call down curses on the state. Dear God, pour out your wrath on this place. Send burning sulfur from heaven to annihilate this godless peninsula, right? I mean, like, I'm, I'm praying horrible, horrible things because I'm so incredibly frustrated at this. Now, now, here's the point that I want you to understand. Here, here's the point. Um, I had a problem, and there was nothing I could do about it. Like, there were no options. I had a problem, nothing I could do about it. Well, well here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to see, that we're going to read a story right now. Um, And in this particular account, in this scripture, here's what's going on. The disciples have a problem. They see a problem. They're tempted to think that there's nothing that they can do about it. But here's the interesting thing that they're going to find out from Jesus. Not only is there something they can do about it, but they're commanded to. Okay? So there's these moments when when we see things and we look around us and we see a problem. We think there's nothing I can do about that. And Jesus says, wait, 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 not so fast. Yes, there is something you can do. And matter of fact, I'm commanding you to do something about it if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of me. And so let's look at that. It's in Matthew um, chapter 9. Everybody turn to Matthew chapter 9 if you're not already there. And if, you, if you're new here, you don't kind of understand how this works yet, we actually have the scriptures in the back of your bulletin. 
because we want you to follow along with us uh, in the scriptures, in God's word. So, so here's what it says. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. So it's the very last part of Matthew chapter 9. Let's, let's uh, look at this. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus, look at this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus is doing what Jesus does. Jesus is preaching. Jesus is healing. Jesus is ministering to the people there. Look at the next verse. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to who? His disciples. Very important. If you have a Bible, circle it, uh, highlight it, put stars around it, whatever. Very, very important for you to see this. Then he said to his disciples... The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, I'm about to preach the shortest sermon I've ever preached here in this, in this place. Okay? And there's really simply just four observations that I make about this scripture that, that you need to understand, students. As you begin this school year, wherever you go to school, I mean, wherever you fall on that school roll call, and even if we didn't call out your school, like wherever it is you find your place day in and day out in the fall, like in a week, wherever it is that you're going to find yourself, you need to understand what, what this scripture teaches us. It's absolutely relevant. First observation about this scripture here is, is here's what I see when I read this. Here's what we see. Number one, we see what is important to Jesus. We see what's important to Jesus. Everybody say, what's important to Jesus? Now, here's the deal. I don't mean to be too Mr. Rogers' neighborhood with you or, or, you know, children's church, but I need you to understand and remember this, and the best way to do that is to repeat this stuff. So, so one more time, say, what's important to Jesus? Because this scripture is absolutely clear about what's important to Jesus, okay? Now, I understand we have things that are important to us. I understand we have people that are important to us. We have extracurricular activities that are important to us. We have things that we like to do, places we like to go that are very important to us. In this scripture, we get an incredible glimpse of what is important to Jesus when it says right here that when he saw, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So what's important to Jesus is this, students. Listen, what's important to Jesus is that others would know him. It is important to Jesus that other people know him. And the scriptures say that Jesus, as he walks around and as he sees this, these people that don't know him, and as he looks at their lives, the only comparison the scripture makes for us is that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Think about sheep without a shepherd. And I know you don't see a lot of sheep, you know, chilling around Gwinnett County, meh, right, walking up Highway 20 and that we can look at and go, ooh, that's weird. But let me explain to you, uh, if you don't already know, one of the interesting things about sheep, it, it's interesting to me that the Bible, God's word, really throughout Old Testament and New Testament, uh, talk about us being sheep. What's interesting about that is that sheep, incredibly stupid unbelievably stupid, right? I mean, I'll never forget, we went to, uh, back, back, in the, um, back in the fall, uh, me and Heather and our daughter Annabelle, we went out to uh, actually Johnny Morgan and them's uh, farm, because Johnny Morgan's mom, photographer, was taking pictures of us and family stuff, and so we went to a farm that's near theirs, and they, they had sheep there, and, and the guy there was talking about how stupid the sheep are, 
And he was talking about how these sheep, like these adult sheep, will walk over and like get their head stuck in a gate. And like just be there for hours. Nah, 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 help, right? And he'll go out. Listen, he's like, I'll go out and I'll like, I'll pull this mug off and I'll, you know, and he's been there for hours. So he knows this is not fun, right? And he's like got marks and stuff. He's like, I'll, I'll pull him out. Fifteen minutes later, guess where he is? <laughs> Screaming for help again. He was like, they're just stupid. They're just dumb. I mean, a sheep without a shepherd, if they're walking next to a cliff, here's the thing. If you've got a bunch of sheep out there without a shepherd, like, here's what's sad. If they're walking next to, next to a cliff, a sheep will, like, uh, he'll, he'll, go, he'll just walk off the side of the cliff, <laughs> right? And then the other sheep will look and go, oh, he went over there. <laughs> and then they'll just follow one by one until they're all dead. You get how smart these animals are? Listen. And what's, and what's interesting to me is that the Bible says uh, we're sheep. We're, we're dumb. I mean, and you go, well, I'm offended by that. Well, first of all, look in the mirror. Second of all, um, here's what I would say. <laughs> Come on. Um, second of all, here's what I would say is that uh, how, how often do we, come on, how, how often do we run to sinful habits and they cause us pain and nothing but misery and then at some point we get some freedom from those things and then guess where we are not too long after that many times, back at the same, stuck in the same stuff. And so it's easy for us to laugh at stupid sheep and go, well, I don't think I'm a sheep, but really we all have this tendency to stray, and so that's the message, and so Jesus' heart is broken. Listen, listen, students. Jesus looks at the crowds, and he has compassion on these people because they're harassed and they're helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It matters to Jesus that people know him. It matters to him. And if you're a follower of Jesus, what matters to Jesus should matter to you. If we're a church, I mean, if we're really people who desire to follow Christ, what matters to Jesus should matter to us. Right on. Second thing that we see from this scripture. Um, here's what's interesting, students. We see the true condition of the world. And, and here's what I mean by that. We don't just see the illusion. We see the true condition. Because here's, here's what I mean. Um, Jesus, Jesus, his heart breaks. He has compassion on these people. They're sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to them, look at verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, here it is, the true condition of the world. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Now, now here's what Jesus is communicating here. Jesus is saying this, look at all these people who don't know me, and there's tons of them. There's tons of them. They don't, they don't know me. But here's what I'm communicating to you. If they heard about me, many of them would respond. If they truly saw somebody who really loved me and really pursued me, if they saw what a Christian really truly looked like, and if someone cared about them enough to invite them so that they could hear the gospel of Christ, so they could hear the good news about me, they would respond. Jesus straight up says the harvest is plentiful. I'm just telling you, you see a ton of people who don't know me. I see an incredible opportunity. Because the harvest is plentiful. Now, now here's, here's what's, what, what we do. Uh, we look at our campuses. 
you know, you go to Collins Hill, you go to, you go to Decula High, whatever, Mill Creek, or wherever the, you know, wherever we go, North Gwinnett, wherever we go, as followers of Jesus, we're tempted to be really ashamed and not live out our faith because here's what happens. It, it, it's, it's reversed from what the Bible says it should be like. It, it's reversed. Instead of us influencing our campus, our campus influences us, and pretty soon we're lukewarm, and you can't even see a glimmer of Jesus in us because what do we do? We looked at our campus, and immediately we said, whoa, this is a vacuum. Nobody cares about Christ. Nobody here knows Christ. Man, this is a lost cause. It's interesting to me that Jesus looked at an environment just like that, and his response to that was this, the harvest is plentiful. I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus said it, that's what's true. That's what's true. In spite of what you may think about your campus, the problem isn't the the people on your campus. It's not. Jesus tells us what the the problem is. Look at this, because the third thing that we see is we, we see the problem, the real problem. We see the real condition of the world. The harvest is plentiful. That's what's true. Here's the real problem. He says the harvest is plentiful, but what are few? One more time. What are few? See, that's the problem. Students, this is huge. Listen to what Jesus is communicating here. He says the problem is not that you've got a ton of people on your campus that don't know me, and they don't want to listen, and they don't care, and they've written me off. That's not the problem. Are some people's hearts that way? Yeah. But what happens is we, we begin to think, well, that's everybody. And Jesus said, no, it's not. The harvest is plentiful. They're not the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is not, there's not a whole lot of people who follow me who actually at some point open their mouths and care enough to tell somebody about me. That's the real problem. So I mean, straight up, you want to know why they're not, you want to know why they're not believers? You want to know why they're not showing up on Wednesday night? You want to know why they're not lifting their hands to Christ and praising Christ? It's not because necessarily they don't care. The main problem is there's not a whole lot of people telling them. Workers are few. Now think about that. Think about that as it relates to your campus. Think about that as it relates to where you go to school, that the real ultimate problem may be that, that maybe the real reason that you're not seeing some incredible movement of God happen on your campus and, and your friends and the people you hang with on your campus coming to know Christ and repenting of their sin and finally realizing that this life isn't about living in passionate obedience to your sinful desires, but living in passionate obedience to Jesus Christ and being a slave to Christ. Maybe the reason is not because they don't care. It's just because we haven't told them. Maybe the reason they're not here is because you've never invited them. Maybe if you invited them, maybe maybe they'd be in the empty chairs all around this room. You say, man, you're trying to make me feel guilty. No, I'm just trying to tell you what the scriptures say. The scriptures say the biggest problem isn't that they don't care, it's that we don't tell them. The workers are few. He didn't say there's no workers. I understand. Some of you do. Some of you passionately, you invite your friends and you pray for them and you bring them and you kidnap them and put duct tape on their face and say, trust me, it's going to be okay. I'll buy you Starbucks, right? And you bring them in all tied up. And they, they're here and they think it's awesome. And then they leave and they don't press criminal charges, right? I, I understand that some of you do that, but, but you, you're few. And that's the point that Jesus is making. And then, and then here's the last thing that we see in, in this scripture. Listen, students. This, to me, shows me how Jesus 
Um, not only was he all-powerful and God and everything else, but he had the most incredible sense of humor of anybody. Of anybody. There is nobody funnier than Jesus. And the problem is you don't read the Bible like that. You never read the Bible like, that's hilarious. I do all the time. That's awesome, right? I'm like stealing jokes from Jesus, right? Because, I mean, this is good stuff. L listen. Listen to what Jesus says because he gives us a solution. The genius of Je Jesus had to be God because we couldn't think of this. Uh, verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He says, listen, there's a bunch of people out there that would come to know me. The harvest is plentiful, but there's a whole bunch of Christians out there, a whole bunch of followers of me that they, they just, they're not telling anybody. So, here's what I want you to do. So, here's what I want you to do. And remember, he told who this? What did you circle there in verse 37? He told who this? His disciples this. So he tells his boys, the disciples, here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to ask the Lord of the harvest. I want you to ask me to send more workers into the harvest field so that more people might know me. So, so right now, you guys, you 12, ask me. Ask the Lord of the harvest to do that, to send out workers. Okay. So I don't know if they did it. I don't know if they did it right there. I, I don't know what happened. But <laughs> chapter 10, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Skip down to verse 5. These 12 Jesus, what's that next word? Sent. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. No, here's what Jesus just did. Harvest is plentiful. Workers are few. Boys, we got a problem. You see the problem. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Ask me to send more workers out. Do it. Do it. Ask me. Okay, dear Heavenly Father, would you please send out more workers in Jesus' name? Amen. Yes, I will. Go. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Listen. Have you ever, have you ever considered this? You're the answer to the prayer. You're the answer to the prayer. And so you look at your campus and you say, I see a void, I see a vacuum, I see a lot of people that don't know Christ. And Jesus says, ask the Lord, ask me to do something on your campus. Okay, I will. Okay, that you're the answer. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. Students, can I tell you something? The Lord wants to use you. See, some of you, here's the problem. Some of you are looking at this new school year that's starting as, you know, some crazy uh, torture chamber that you don't want to go back to. And the Lord is saying, whoa, 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 I understand. I understand where you're coming from. But you need, I want you to see it as this. It's your harvest field. And your harvest field is Plentiful. And I wonder if you'll be one of the few who will answer the call so that I can do a work on your campus. And so, uh, listen, I, I wonder this. I wonder how many of your friends who don't know Christ right now will be in heaven one day because of how you obeyed Christ this school year. 
Maybe you're the answer to the prayer. Let me tell you guys something. Maybe you got this in the mail, this little cheesy, stupid thing. Um, Point Palooza, 2009. We're doing a lot of stupid junk and giving away a bunch of expensive stuff. Can, can I tell you something? It, it, it's not just so that we can do an event. So what? So what? We're not trying to do really, really cool, amazing events so that people can come and go, that was a crazy, awesome event. No. I, like, I really don't care. I honestly don't care. I mean, if you realized how much time we have to spend, and, you know, Sandy has to spend and Paul has to spend and all the, all the people we have around us that, that spend time making calls and booking these stupid events and let's get a dunk take here and right? I mean, if you realized how, how, how much time we spend doing, I mean, I promise you, like, we don't do this for fun. I mean, it's fun, it'll be fun that night, but, like, the process isn't fun, right? We don't just do it just so we can say, hey, man, look what we did, Right? Because that's dumb. It's got a little clown on it. He looks like he's going to kill someone, right? So that is not the reason that we do it. Let me tell you the reason we do it. Let me tell you the reason we do it. The reason we do this event right here at the beginning of the school year, literally the first week of school, is because we deeply care about ministering to high school students, and God has brought you here so that you might grow in relationship with Christ and be a disciple of Christ. And this event is all about giving you an opportunity to obey Jesus so that you will grow in your faith and see your friends come to know Christ. That's it. So, 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 translation, this is your event. It's yours. It, it really is. The whole point of this event, let me, let me tell you the whole point. Let, let me run down with you the, the whole point of this event. It's that you might bring your friends to a very, very, um, let's just say non-threatening night. I'm not going to be starting a series called Hell next week. <laughs> right? Everybody's got that fear. I would bring my friend, but Anson talks about people burning. Oh, right? Come on. It's an opportunity for you to bring your friends to a very non-threatening event. They're going to have fun. It's going to be awesome. At some point during the night, they're going to register for prizes, and we're going to be able to call them that next week and say, hey, man, we're glad. We're glad that you were here. That was awesome. And you know what? Uh, we'd love for you to come back next week. We've got some small groups starting next week. You should come check them out. You know what? If you come back next week, we'll buy you a, we'll, we'll buy you a free Starbucks, man. We'll hook you up. It'll be awesome. But let me tell you. Uh, in other words, the whole point of this event is that your friends who don't know Christ would be invited by you so that you might bring them so that maybe God would get them plugged into this place so that maybe they would surrender their heart and their life to Jesus Christ soon. And maybe at the end of this school year, you will look back and go, that person and that one and that one and him and, and those girls and, and them, and they're, they're going to heaven because of how God used me this school year. So here's what we're going to do. This night, as different as it is and as unique as it is, here's why we're doing it. We're about to, we're about to um, sing some songs to Jesus. We're about to declare his praises. We're going to have a time even in a little bit of worshiping the Lord through what's known as the Lord's Supper, communion. And here's why we're doing this. Here's why we're doing this. Because in advance, before next week even happens... We're going to give worship and praise and adoration to our Heavenly Father, believing that he's going to do something incredible next week. 
and believing that he's going to use you this next week and even your first couple days of school as you invite people, he's going to use you in an awesome way in the lives of your friends, believing that God's going to do that. Because we serve a huge, massive, almighty God. I don't, I don't like serve a little mighty mouse God, right? Like I serve a big, giant God who does whatever he wants to do. And that big, giant God who does whatever he wants to do can do it in a heartbeat. If you believe and if you pray and if you cry out and if you do the work. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So let me do this. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you've shown us what's true. And you told us that what's true is that even though things on our campus or maybe even things in our families, the people that we hang out with, Lord, the circles of friends that we run with, maybe to us they look really, really bleak. But, Lord, you've told us that you look at them and you feel compassion for them because they are harassed and they're helpless like a bunch of sheep without a shepherd. And so as a result, Lord, you love them. And you tell us, your people, that that harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we need to ask you to send more workers out. And then when we ask you to do that, you go, okay, you're the one. And you give us boldness and you use us. And so, Lord, tonight as we get ready to look forward to next Wednesday night and Point Palooza and all that you're going to do, we don't dare enter into an opportunity like this to invite friends and bring friends to an event like this, Lord, um, without prayer. And without acknowledging, Lord, that you're the one that's in charge. You are the sovereign God. You are the king of the universe. You are the one who's going to work in the hearts of our friends so that they might be willing to come. You're the one who's going to soften the hard heart so that their heart might be receptive to your truth. You're the one that does that. We can't convince them. We can't argue with them. As many books as we might read, as many facts as we might know, we can't accomplish that work. Only you can, Lord. And so I pray right now in Jesus' name, as we sing these songs to you as loud as we possibly can, as we praise your name, as we spend time in prayer, as we declare that you alone are God, that we would look forward, Lord, to a week from now, exactly a week from now, and we would beg you, we would beg you to use us like you've never used us before in the lives of our friends, that they might show up, and that, Lord, they might experience, even in that crazy night, even in that night, Lord, in a week, that they might experience what you're really like. And, Lord, we're going to be inviting people to have a lot of misconceptions about Jesus, a lot of misconceptions about the Bible, and a lot of crazy misconceptions even about Christians. And so work in their heart, Lord, work in their heart. Lord, I read, I read in your word, I, I read in your word in the book of Acts, Lord, where, where the very people, some of the very people who, Lord, were screaming, Jesus, for you to be crucified, were a part of a number of 3,000 one day that got saved. So nobody's, nobody's a lost cause. I read in your word about a man named Saul of Tarsus who wanted to kill Christians and arrest Christians and shut down churches who became the greatest missionary this world's ever known. So no one's a lost cause. And we pray believing and expecting you to move because you're a great, marvelous God. So hear our praises tonight. And I pray for these students that you would, in our hearts, that you would light a fire 
And he would stir in us a boldness, a Holy Spirit-filled boldness, unlike anything we've experienced before, that we would show up that first day of school on a mission. Because we've seen your vision, that the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. But we've asked the Lord, and he sent us. In Jesus' name I pray.